Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper, episode 120. It is I, your humble host, DJ Payne, and this is your favourite Bible study podcast with Matthew Jacoby. Dr. Matt, your good buddy and my good friend. And on this episode, we sit down and we finish the book of Deuteronomy. We started it on the last episode. We're going to finish it on this one. And this is a bit, bit sentimental to me because we are finishing off the last book in the five books of Moses. The You might have heard it called the Pentateuch. You might have heard it called the books of the law. You might have even heard it called the Torah. This is it. We say goodbye to this leader, this guide, Moses. It's a big episode, this one. So get ready with your Bible. Crack it open to the Old Testament and open up that copy of Thrive, the daily reading guide. And let's enjoy this episode of Thrive Deeper. Okay, Matt, we're making progress here in the studio in the office. The boxes are disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Okay. You can actually make your way into the studio. I can. Last week when we were recording with Bernie Power, I think you and him were like literally sitting underneath boxes when you're in here recording. It's looking nice. We're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there in the in the, uh, in the the studio office. It's looking great. Uh, now, if you want to see some pictures of that, we're going to put some, uh, you know, once I finish here, we're going to put some um, up on our brand new Thrive Supporter mm. Facebook group. And and my mission this week is to try to drag Matthew into that Facebook uh, group so he can actually interact with people. How does that sound? Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Listen, don't worry. If you do put something in, in there that Matthew has to see, I will make sure he sees mm. it. Now, this is it. We're, this is the exciting episode. Episode 120. This is our second part of our two-part on the, on the book of Deuteronomy. Mm. The last book of Moses. Yep. This That's is, right. We're saying goodbye to Moses on yeah. this episode. Yeah, we are. Because, just to let everybody know, next fortnight and the next edition is a brand new edition of Thrive. Yeah. And we go right from the old, you know, from the times of Moses, right at the beginning of the Old Testament, yeah. all the way to the book of Acts. I know, it's going to be great. It's a massive yeah. jump. So I'm feeling a little bit, I'm already feeling a bit nostalgic and mm-hmm. sad saying goodbye to Moses here. Mm-hmm. So this is like our Moses send-off episode. Yeah, that's right. So we, <laughs> this is the second second episode where we look at Deuteronomy, which is the instructions yes. that God gives to his people through Moses. And in particular this week, uh, I thought we should take the time to look at what is, I would suggest, the most controversial and most criticized part of the whole bible. Yeah. Oh uh, wow, the whole bible. Yeah, I, I would I would say this is the this is the one that I've heard more than any other mm. uh because of its harshness, it's the the allegation is that uh the bible uh in the bible we have god commanding genocide. Yes. And it is it is one of the tropes uh you know when you see apologetics being mm, argued yeah, in debates yeah. and stuff like that the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus are always trotted out together as arguments against you know you know against God yeah yeah so the I mean yeah the purity laws are often rolled out but they're they're a little more complicated this is an easy target in mm. a sense this um, these uh, injunctions so maybe maybe what I'll do is I'm I'll, I'll just read a little bit of chapter seven. Uh, which is the mate? This actually the the edict. So what we're going to look at now is the edict as they're at the edge of the promised land. God's giving them the land, yeah, and He commands them, "You got to wipe them out completely." Yeah, uh, the land has got to be like it's like taking a big sponge and it's going to be completely wiped clean. Yeah, uh, it's going to be cleansed com- completely. Th- there's this sense in which, in, and in many of the cities, um, there's a sort of technical language around. Uh, this is a, a city devoted to destruction, and and the language is almost like the language of sacrifice, like a whole burnt offering. Wow. It's like it ho- must be wholly obliterated. Wow! Um, and and very there's some military language in this as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like yeah, that, as as in like this next generation of Israelites that are coming into the promised land, they're getting organised and they're psyching themselves up underneath Joshua, as in. 
our whole life is going to be the next couple of generations is going to be about military conquest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, let me read just the first part uh, yeah. of chapter seven. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess. Um, and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Hmm. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, Mm. cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God and the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Um, So, and and in in many other places uh, as well, just, you know, littered throughout the book of Deuteronomy is again this edict you go in. Um, now, and the word that's used, in fact, this talks about destroying, you know, destroying them completely, wiping them out, showing. Uh, so, this is, in a sense, uh, it's depicting uh, what is really going to be a slaughter. Mm. Uh, wholesale uh, slaughter. Can, can, um, can, can we? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Can we say? Would you argue that this is one of the few, like really, this is the blueprint of one of the few commanded holy wars? Yeah. Now we hear about a holy yeah. war, and we talk about these people are fighting like a holy war, but this is like the blueprint of an actual God commanded holy war. Yeah. Uh, well. This is the only holy war. Wow. In fact, and it's important to rec- this it only ever happened once. Wow. And, and I'm going to talk about the once in a moment, because even the stuff that David is doing is essentially completing this. Wow. Okay, so that's- So the, so the other kings who, who follow way yeah. down the track yeah. after it's Moses- a, Yeah, it's essentially just completing this. That's a great point. So, so I like that. I like that, uh, yes. You know, and and David, David is the one- Famously, who kind of brings this to completion? And look, other kings make compromise. They need to. They lose ground. They need to take it back. So you get a bit of that. Mm. David is the one famously who completes this task. Wow. Okay, and um, uh, you know, initially it was it was going to be. Uh, initially, of course, Saul was installed as king. Yes, and and you notice that the big with King Saul, the big test is when it's, uh, you know, is he willing. Mm to complete the conquest is he willing to put this uh, in place and so he he has this uh, battle with with one of these kings and the question is is he willing to completely destroy them and to follow this commandment to follow this commandment yeah, yeah. and he's not and as a result he's demoted as king because really the role of the leader is is to actually um, is to enact this one off yeah. in in a sense to finish this holy war so that so that God's rule can be established. So the idea of the king is to sort of maintain God's rule mm. in the land again. Mm. And mm. um uh so it's once. It only ever happened once. Absolutely. And so that's, what we're talking about here isn't like, point. oh yeah, throughout the Old Testament God is always telling his people. No, it only ever happens once. Um interestingly the uh the the most common word that's used is not that of Go and kill everyone, but actually drive them out. Okay. Uh, so, so most, mostly, what we're talking about here is um, is th- them being driven out. Also, says um, that this would happen um, gradually. Uh, it says in verse twenty-two of chapter seven, "The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little." So, notice it, it's driving them out. Um, uh, you will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or wild animals will, will multiply around you. But the Lord wow. your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. Uh, so the idea here is that God is driving them out, but there are, there are, there are some who just, they're going to hold on. And, uh, and the idea here is don't compromise. Don't make them your servants. Don't make them your slaves. Mm. Uh, don't enter any treaties with them. Mm-hmm. Um, They've got to be if if they insist on staying. It's like 
they, they need to be completely destroyed. Yeah. Okay. So we've got something here that is enormously, that's still harsh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so so let's just set the picture here. This is at the end of life of <clears throat> Moses, so we're talking what about 1400 BC? Yep. Tw- uh, you know, uh, maybe 1300. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, 13 1400, yeah. Somewhere right, around yeah. there, you know, before Christ. As as they're about to enter the promised land, right? The, yep. the Israelites, the Jewish people are about to enter the promised land. The 12 tribes there under the le- under the new leader of Joshua. They're commanded by Moses. They're commanded by God yeah. in this time to to start yeah. this holy war. You say that David finishes the holy war. Yeah. How many hundreds of years later? Uh, well, David is about one thousand. So by the time Solomon rules, it's about nine hundred. So it takes about four hundred years. Yeah. to complete this. That's whole, right. The so holy Solomon, war. because of David's campaigns, Solomon. Possesses the promised land. Yeah, he 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 never has to becomes one of the greatest world that's powers right. yeah. ever. Now, what what we need to recognise too is that it was it was never. Uh, we've said it's a one off thing. Uh, it was sort of dirty work in the sense in in a sense it was like when you start with and I'm going to talk about the give a bit of background in a moment. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to note that when David says to God, okay, we've occupied the land. Hey, now I'm going to, I want to build you a temple. God says, no, you're not building me a temple. You've got blood on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? Well, I what? just, but I didn't, was doing, doing I was just doing what, me. no, 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 that's. That's so, your son's Yeah, so, so that's right. So there's a sense. So, so Solomon gets to build the tabernacle because Solomon is a man of peace. Mm-hmm. And this is what God wanted to get to. Mm. Okay, so this isn't, uh, you know, holy war isn't mm. isn't the thing. It isn't the way. It's it, it had this one off moment right yeah. in in history. And I'm going to talk. So just hold on to your mm. disease. If you're sitting there in absolute shock and you've not been exposed to this before, yeah. uh, just just hang hang on for for a little for a moment. But you know, notice because when it, uh, and I'm and I'm thinking if we can step across to thrive perspectives. Uh, we did a conversation with Bernie Power about uh, Islam and the holy wars, Last which week, yeah. which which have been a regular occurrence um, uh, uh, in in the in the growth of Islam. This this the Bible doesn't have anything. This is just a one off um, this one off moment. It even is recognised as a kind of necessary evil. The principle of necessary evil is quite uh, important here. Necessary evil is when a really bad thing is done, but it's the only right thing to do in that uh, in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, putting someone in jail, or it's a terrible thing mm-hmm. to do. Capital punishment, yeah, yeah the, or capital punishment. Yeah. But but there are some, you know, there are some times when that's the only right thing to do. So mm-hmm. um, uh, that's you know that's where that kind of sits uh, in terms of the Bible, because what what is what it's this is moving towards uh, is. You know, again, Solomon is the man of peace. That's a very important, I think, indication of what God was after. And of course, then when you get to Jesus, he's saying, "If your enemy strikes you, turn the other cheek." Mm. And and he's speaking to uh, a Jewish people who are living in a time when the, this very promised land was occupied mm. by the Romans, and they're saying, "We need to now get them out. Yeah. Uh, bring of, back of the, the promised holy war. land. Bring back the holy war." Yeah. That's right. Bring let's bring back the holy war, and and this is a very important part of Jesus' preaching. He's saying no, that had that had a role once. You know, it's not. It's yeah. it's actually what Jesus wants to point out is now we're about the whole earth, yeah. and uh, that that particular kingdom, the Israelite kingdom, in a particular spot, had yeah. a particular time and place for then, but yeah. under the kingdom of Jesus. It's a completely different yeah. paradigm, not of this earth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and, and, and there's a sense of continuity uh, with with that, and, and because that had a role, and I'll talk about that in in a moment. Uh, but the the way of winning the world mm. is not going to be anything like that. You not know? not so, like the holy war here. No, that, that's right. That, no, yeah. Nothing like that. So a uh, couple of things um, to point out. First of all, is uh, remember when in Genesis 15. When uh, God promised to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, right? The, mm-hmm. the land of Canaan. Now, um, y- you could probably jump on Google and have a look at, at, at a map 
you know, the, the land of Canaan, Old Testament Israel. You know, you could look up maybe the tribal allotment is kind of the, that's sort of the ideal boundaries of the land of mm-hmm. uh, Canaan, the, the land that was allotted. Um, and, you know, it stretches st- stretches up to, you know, where kind of present day Syria and Lebanon uh, down to um, down to the southern desert there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it, it's and, and then uh, from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River, mm. and of course, as we know, there were tribes that were given the uh, part of what is now present day Jordan, and that but that was because those kings came out aggressively, and they, you know, they they beat those kings, and so that was kind of added. Uh, in, in a sense, but those pr- those areas weren't an originally sort of part of that. We'll put I'll put a link to yeah put a, you, put a link to a map. And if you've yeah. got a classic old Bible with the bi- maps in yeah, the back, yeah, they're, that's they're, right. They're, they're they're still accurate. Yeah. Um, I'll put a, I'll put a link to a couple of maps or even put a picture yeah. up there. So you know. so this is so God is speaking to Abraham about this land. So I'm going to give you this land, uh, and God says no, uh, but not now. It's in the th- the you know in in the fourth generation. Uh, you're going to come back here, and then I'm going to give this land to your descendants. And and the and the reason why not now with Abraham, uh, it's well, I mean he's uh, he's only just one clan at that stage, uh, one family really. Mm. But the main reason is because the sin of the Amorites, that is the inhabitants of that land, has not yet reached its full measure. Mm-hmm. And then in um, uh, in chapter nine of Deuteronomy. Um, in verse four, God says uh, to his people, after the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Mm. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. Okay? Mm. So that's connecting with what he said to Abraham. So, th- so God was going to wait until the, uh, the sin in that land got so bad that it would warrant what essentially was going to be, and this is the important bit, a because the promised land um, represented a kind of re-entry into Eden. That's what that kind of represented. Mm. Remember Genesis yeah. three, yep. Eden, Adam and Eve got cast out of Eden. Yep. Okay. This is this is like a sort of provisional new Eden. Mm. Which means that if they did the same thing as Adam and Eve and disobeyed God, they would be cast out of the land again. That's the, the threat is also yep. here. Um, and so this is, and I say provisional because ultimately um, it was, God has the whole earth in view. Okay. But this is, you know, the, the whole earth is to be this place of harmony with God. But right now the land of Canaan is going to be this place, this kind of new Eden. Mm. Okay. So, um, now, so God doesn't want what happened in the first Eden to happen again. In the first Eden, what happened? Well, Satan got in there and tempted, uh, tempted yeah, Adam, Adam and Eve, Eve yeah. and 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 we have we have the fall, right? So so that's got to not happen again. So in a sense, so this is like a reverse. This is almost like a mirror image. They're going back in, right? This is a a, a land, and we're not saying, you know, that the original. Garden of Eden was somehow in the promised land area. Yeah. You know, no one knows. No, no, where, no, 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 no that's not right. Saying yeah. that, no one knows where that is. But we're saying that the mirror image being that Satan is occupying this land. Yeah. It is now time for them to go in like, you know, almost like Satan did into into yeah. the Garden of Eden. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and wipe mm-hmm. them out. And yeah, car- that's right. And cast out the demonic, the, yeah. the, ev- the evil. Yeah, that's right. So they can possess the land. Yeah. So um, – and you hit the nail on the head then because in a way, and, and what we see from the various things when God says to his people, don't do the things that these people are doing, and then it goes on to describe those things. Mm. What is described is not only idolatry, but occultism to the oh. point of child sacrifice and uh, like the- Sexual this depravity is, of every this kind. Is, this, is, this place is so, so given over to demonic powers mm. Uh these are not just empty idols. There are real demonic powers behind these. This is like Satan's capital. Mm. This is like where... So, you're right. This is like go back. You're going back into the garden and... Uh, casting Satan and out. And you're going to... It's like casting <laughs> Satan out, you know. And um, and so, 
so because um, it's also important to point. Sorry, Matt. It's also important yeah. to point because you already made this point, but I just want to reedify it here. This is a promise that God swore and covenant and promised to Abraham, yeah. to Isaac, yeah. to Jacob, yeah. to you know, to to the promised to, land was always yeah. ahead. Yeah. Then, then you know, to Joseph, you know, there was a prophecies around that, and then you know. 400 years later with Moses and the Israelites, God has made that promise to That's them right. on the mount with the Ten Commandments saying, yeah. if you complete, if you if we have a covenant, I want to fulfill this with you. This is your job to do now. You need to go in and do what, you know, like a, a horrible thing yeah. to, to fulfill, you know, the promises that I made to your, you yeah. know, to your ancestors. But let me explain the horrible thing because um, – the whole the whole sequence from the Exodus through to the entrance in the Promised Land is a, is a sequence that is richly symbolic in in a prophetic sense mm. of what is going to happen in the future. That what is still future. So I talked about Eden as a provi- uh, sorry Canaan as a provisional new Eden. Now the ultimate new Eden, of course, is the new heavens and the new earth mm-hmm. that is spoke about in Genesis in Isaiah sixty five mm-hmm. uh, in. Uh, not Genesis in Revelation twenty one and twenty two. Yeah, okay, that's what um, that's what's up ahead. Now, so so you've got the entry into the land, the Exodus setting set free to enter the Promised Land. Okay, this is in a sense what Jesus Christ does for us, sets us free mm. from sin so that we can enter the Promised Land. Mm. Uh, and the ultimate Promised Land is is this new heavens uh, and new earth. You know, the mm. re- renewed earth. And so, um, so. That means then that the this action of going in and this military action that they've got to engage in, that in view of all of that symbolism becomes a very important prefiguration of what precedes the new heavens and the new earth, Genesis… Uh, Revelation. Uh, re- sorry, Revelation 21 and 22, mm. which is the great judgment. Mm. So, in a sense, they are enacting a one-off prefiguration of the final great judgment. Mm. Now, this is why it has to be absolutely complete, mm. right? Because it's a it's a one-off, terrible as it is, prophetic action. Now, remember, as as it says, you know, as Paul says, God wants everyone to be saved. God doesn't want anyone to perish, mm. right? Uh, but this this is a uh, this is a people who had gone so far into oh. uh, into idolatry yeah. and into this occult practices and this is Satan has such a stronghold uh, in this this of course is why these people are terrified because of the um, you know the, the the spies came back and said ah oh, there are giants in the land these people seem to us uh, like the <clears throat> like the Nephilim you know the uh, descendants of Anak and so forth. In other words, what they're saying uh, by referring back to the the Nephilim is that Nephilim, of course, are these quasi demonic kind of uh, figures. You know that mm-hmm. in this sort of vague memory from the past, mm-hmm. they're saying this is this is where they live. Right? Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where these demonic powers have set up their kingdom. Uh, that's what they mean by, you know, the giants in the land. It's also significant. Remember, we talked about David completing the conquest. Mm. It's also very significant that, that David's first battle is with a, literally with a giant, yeah, you yeah. know, with, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. with Goliath, you know, exactly. symbolic that, yes, he is, he is willing to do what that first generation wasn't willing to do as mm. just a kid, of course. Mm. Um, so, uh, so that they are enacting this this is very important theological context for mm. understanding this. Mm. Um, this is an act of judgment, and the, uh, the 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 people of Israel at this point are God's instruments mm. uh, of judgment. They they are like in you know if you read, uh, I mean if you if you think this is man if you think this is harsh, uh, have a look at you know uh, Revelation chapter chapter nineteen. I've literally, I'm holding it right here, Matt. Open to me because I think this is a, this is a really important point of linking what is happening in Deuteronomy. Well, what will happen in Joshua and onwards, yeah. right? What is commanded in Deuteronomy, and what we see Christ fulfilling at the end in the Book of Revelation, yeah, yeah. chapter nineteen, because we have in chapter nineteen, um, you know, John finally sees when Christ returns to war, Earth to to. In one sense, to, to mm. keep your theme, 
be the ultimate fulfillment of yeah. Deuteronomy here. Yeah. But he says, and I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in the righteousness he judges the wages and wages he he judges and wages war. This is Jesus Christ. Yeah, the ultimate. So, and that's thing. If I can just comment on yeah. that before we read on, so what God is asking the Israelites to do is nothing that Jesus Himself is. Isn't yeah. going to come and you know what I mean? So Jesus Himself is coming to do this very thing. Yeah, He is the ultimate kind of Dave, son of David in that sense, who completes the conquest Amen. Amen. And, and eradicates and evil. Just like the theme of from Genesis to Deuteronomy is God saying, "Wait until the sin is, yeah, so the judgment is complete." Yeah, the Book of Revelation is exactly the same exactly thing. Exactly the same. God saying. I'm going to end it all, but not yet because the sin is you, – you're still bringing more judgment down. That's right. And, and you know, Revelation starts, of course, with the four famous four horsemen, right? Yeah. And they go out. And essentially what they do is that they bring the sin of the earth to its full measure. Yeah. So what is God waiting for? Uh, well, there's, of course, the ingathering of the nations. But also there's a sense in which now uh, w- there is this time of waiting for – as Paul puts it, the power of lawlessness, mm. which is already at work in the world, mm. to come to its full measure. So exactly the same symbolism. It's exactly. I'm not going to judge yet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until uh, until the you know the sin and idolatry of the inhabitants has come to its full measure. Then is the time for judgment. Now, there's an important point here. In if I go back to every, everyone listening, I hope you can follow along here. We're yeah. jumping all over. Yeah. We're jumping all over the beginning and the end of the Bible and all the way through it. So here in Revelation 19, if I read in verse 13 and 14 here, and he Jesus is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. That's pretty yeah, gruesome yeah. imagery. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, are following him on white horses. Yeah. Now I know, depending on how you interpret this, who are the armies heaven who are in fine and white, clean robes? Well, it's it's the the people of God. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So not only when we read these things in Deuteronomy, now just to cut to the chase, a sword comes out of Jesus's mouth yeah. and he wipes out all of the armies on earth, yeah, and it's yeah. an absolute blood blood bath. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Absolutely ridiculous. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords is proclaimed. Yeah. And he wipes, he finishes the final battle. Well, yeah, it's the final, that's right. final yeah. battle. But the point here is we're with him. Yeah. If you interpret yeah, that's right. yeah. the the armies of heaven of those who are redeemed and are yeah, wearing the front right. linen yeah. because we've been redeemed yeah. and washed clean, yeah. which is already a pattern set up in Revelation. If we in that so as we read this in Deuteronomy, yeah. we are yeah. also fulfilling yeah, that's right. this in Revelation yeah. with Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And of course, now there's this period of great, you know, in the ingathering and everyone, uh, you know, it's it's like the population of the new Eden or the new heavens and the new earth is being gathered in mm. uh, right now in that sense, in the in the biblical sequence. Okay? Yeah. So, so this is, it's very important to understand. This isn't just God saying, oh, these are bad people, go in and slaughter them. Yeah. No, 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 no. This, this is, this is, a once-off prefiguration of the great final judgment because of the symbolism of the land of Canaan um, and um, and also uh, – so, so that's the main idea. But let's also think about what, what is happening here. So God is – this is in the infancy of God's people, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're in their infancy. Um, they're afraid. They're vulnerable. They share the superstitions of the. It's going to take generations for four hundred years. Yeah, it, to yeah. this to be completed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and it's it's even going to take generations for these people to learn and to uh, to lose the patterns mm. of idolatry and so forth. Because we've seen how how prone they are to this already. And in a sense, the land of Canaan is this kind of holy place where where God is going to cultivate his people to be a light to the world right and gather in the nation so this is their this is this is the sanctuary in the midst of the earth um which is going to be at least at this stage a kind of humidity crib for the infant nation yeah. and so any all bad influence have to be completely eradicated yeah. uh, in the land um 
and it takes a, it takes it's important to like you say i think i think mm. in coming into this and the rest of the history that we read in in you know these rights here you know to the life of david you know covers multiple generations yep. they don't do it. I mean, this first generation that walks in under Joshua do amazing things. Joshua and Caleb yep. and the and the and the leaders of Israel and the, yep. and the leaders of the tribes do their ulti- They do their very best to fulfil everything that God has God has called yeah. them to do. Yeah. But then the next generation goes well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and, and then and it goes on and on and on and it gets worse and worse and worse yeah. until we get the ultimate fulfilment. In David, yeah. like when he comes in and says, right, I'm going to finish the job. It's been going on for 400 years. I've got to really, you know. That's right. And and God it. says to them here, you know, if you, if you, let's say, decide, oh, that's a bit harsh. I'll, we'll just make treaties with them. Uh, God says they will certainly mislead you. Mm. So remember, this is a preemptive strike. Mm. You know, preemptive strikes uh, in have always been a controversial thing yes, in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, sort of ethics of in military uh, yeah, and in stuff mi- like that. Yeah. Sort of in the military world, but see, God knows what's going to happen. Yeah, He knows, yeah. Uh, and and this is the ultimate preemptive strike. He says they will certainly, explicitly, again and again, if you if you let them stay, mm. they will certainly mislead you, and they will draw you to the point where you'll be doing the things that they do, mm. and um, and so. So in a sense, um, what happens, that trajectory that you just talked about then, where they do, they get they go soft, they let the people stay. The book of Judges is really the vindication of all of these. You know, Joshua does a great job. They go in, they win amazing battles. Mm. But what you see in, in Judges chapter 1, at the end of Joshua and Judges chapter 1, is, you know, they went here, um, but they didn't, they didn't, dislodge this people or they didn't you know or they they made those people into in you know um put them into forced labor rather than driving them out completely mm. the rest of the book of judges shows the 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 terrible demise yeah. of 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 Israel and the enslavement and the imp- oppression they're basically in a worse state mm. in the land than they were in Egypt yeah yeah because yeah. of this compromise because they haven't. Because they, they haven't, didn't do what God said. Yeah, and it's even interesting, like jumping right to the end of the book of Deuteronomy, and this is you know Moses finally saying after the multiple sermons and retelling of the law and clarification, he basically prophesies over the elders of Israel yeah. at the very end before he sings this beautiful song and he go he goes you know goes to die with 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 God, he says for I know this is in in chapter thirty one twenty nine for I know that after my death. You will act corruptly, and you'll turn away from a way which I've commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, for you will not do that which is evil, for you will not, sorry, for you will do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger, da, 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 da. So Moses, towards the end yeah, there, yeah. He's, he, he says, you guys are rebellious, you yeah. know, you're going yeah. to, you're going to, he, he, it's, it's an interesting thing because he, he, in one sense, in some of these things, he's telling them how they're going to be victorious. Mm. But then at the end, he's like, but I know that eventually you'll be rebellious yeah. because you won't have a leader like me. Yeah. You won't follow God. You, your hearts will eventually yeah, turn away right. and it's going to be really bad for yeah. you in this land. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, they do get misled. Um, and the, what actually happens and what they get drawn into. I mean, you get these, you get these times where, I mean, even during the time of the Kings after David's Mm. time, you know, you get Manasseh, for example, who's sacrificing his own sons. So those actually in the Davidic line, you know, are are being sacrificed in the fire. I mean, this, these practices were, Absolutely abhorrent yeah. practices, and, and it's amazing. And it's amazing. There's a whole spiritual element as well here. But even with all the victories that the early generations had in the land, and they drove them out, and they yeah. had momentous, you yeah. know, gains and everything. And then David having momentous gains, it doesn't take much. 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't for, take much for, for them to fall back. Yeah, for the, for the evil to start seeping back in. Yeah. And you realise, my goodness, this is a, yep. this is a spiritual battle as much as it is a cultural battle. Yeah, absolutely. In this area here. Yeah. Okay, I think we've set a good precedent of of as you know the hardest part we have to do to approach Deuteronomy. Let's take a quick break, have a bit of a breather here. You know, take a drink of water. Might have to have a little lay down as we we're talking about all these heavy things with Deuteronomy. And we're going to wrap up Deuteronomy and the Book of Moses next here on Thrive Deeper. your old mate here, DJ Payne, and uh, something a little bit different for you today. I want to let you know that you can go support us by listening to Thrive Perspectives. I understand that some people still aren't subscribed to Thrive Perspectives, our sister podcast. It's a totally separate RSS feed. It's a totally different podcast. Now, all you got to do is go to your podcast, uh, you know, application of choice and uh, search for Thrive Perspectives. Perspectives will come straight up. And why I'm telling you about it is we have just released an episode that is an interview with the amazing theologian, professor, and missionary Bernie Power. Bernie Power is the nicest guy, and he's an absolute genius and gifted teacher when it comes to all things Islam, Muslim, and the Quran. Uh, it's a great interview. I had a great time, and I learned so much from him. That's on our latest episode. Of Thrive Perspectives. And the great news is when you go over there and subscribe and have a listen to that episode with uh, with Bernie Power about Islam and Christianity, you'll get a special offer to get Bernie Power's new book for about a third of the price that it regularly sells for. It's an amazingly generous offer from Bernie Power and you can get all that by listening to the latest episode of Thrive Perspectives. If you're like me and you've got Islamic neighbours and friends in the community, this is a great way to listen to it and really get a Christian perspective on their faith and what they believe in. I encourage you to go download and subscribe to that one today. All right, let's get into this and get ready to say goodbye. I'm getting a little bit teary-eyed here. Get ready to say goodbye to this man of God, this amazing prophet, the person of Moses, here as we finish off Deuteronomy on Thrive Deeper. Thrive Deeper, episode 120. This is DJ and Matt, and we are wrapping up for now, for now, the book of Deuteronomy and, and the life of Moses. Now, Matt, we've, we, we're have we headlong into this yep. big issue, big problem, yep. big big argument that a lot of people have about Deuteronomy, and you've, you've um, presupposed the whole thing saying this is the most challenging, hardest yeah. things yeah. to the modern mind that is not that is inquiring about God, inquiring about the Bible, inquiring about the Christian God, the Jewish God, and they come in and they read the book of Deuteronomy and they go, no, can't do it. This is genocide. Yeah. How evil is this? This awful Old Testament God is commanding his people to go in and wipe out these people completely mm. off the land. I, I can't deal with it. Yeah. And it is harsh. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, as I've said, it's an act of judgment. Now, I have qualified that with, again, most of the, the commanders that's used most of the time is about driving the people out. Yeah. One assumes that it was those who would not be dislodged that were actually slaughtered. Yeah. Uh, so probably most people weren't wiped out. They were probably driven out of the land. Why are they driven out? Because they're so, so deeply entrenched, like deeply, deeply entrenched in, in very powerful forms of idolatry such that actually made these people the israelites in, incredibly fearful mm. and and the the temp, the constant temptation to serve these gods was because of their fear of these gods mm. because if we don't 
offer sacrifices to Baal and Ashtoreth mm. and Molech, and you know, then, mm. then you know, our crops are going to fail. And and and, but even more than that, this this fear of of these entities and the mm. and and you know, fear of being overwhelmed and yeah. It, Battles in the ancient world were always seen as battles between the gods. Yeah. So the question here is who is who is the ultimate god? Who is the great the great god? And um, so I think putting ourselves in an ancient context it, is helpful. And I just want to say a couple of things about that now yeah. because uh, again we are reading this as modern readers. Yes. This is ancient warfare, like this kind of thing. This is not unusual in the ancient world. I mean, yeah. these are harsh times. Yes, uh, warfare was a regular part of life. Mm. One kingdom against another. As I said, it was always these were always envisaged as our god against your god. Mm. A god who does not defeat your enemies is unintelligible in the ancient world. I mean, we look at this and we think, "Oh, this is a terrible thing. How could?" a good and loving God do such a thing. That's not what they thought. No. They, their, what they would think is how could a good and loving God not destroy those who are entrenched in this kind of evil? 100%. You know, that, that was their thing. So, yeah. um, so first of all, this is not un- unusual for the ancient world. Um, this is, uh, you know, God is showing himself to be the ultimate God who is over all of the other gods, mm. that all of those other gods, that they're, they're, they're not real gods. They're nothing like God. They're just mm. uh, empty. I mean, they're, they're empty idols, but, you know, a, at best, uh, you know, um, powerless spiritual entities before yeah. the the power the ultimate power of God. You, and you read, you read, there's a lot about idolatry. We're going to, we, the theme of idolatry is going to, is going to really, it's going to pick up and be really thick in the yeah, yeah, in the books yeah, going right. forward. Yeah. There's the commandments of you know not just wiping out the people, but destroying the symbols of these demons, the the idols, the carvings, the temples, the poles. All these things have to be utterly destroyed out of the land. Yeah. All this type of stuff. Matt, is it fair to say this might be a controversial thought here? But when in, in reading through these passages over the years. In light of, especially in light of the life of David and the Psalms of David around, mm. you know, when he's when he's a warrior. Part this, and this is a really foreign thing to our modern aesthetics yep. and mind and everything like mm. that. A big part of their relationship with God, mm-hmm. and dare I say it, their worship or even their obedience to God, is in warfare. Yeah, that's right. For yeah. these people, yeah, for the Israelite people, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that to us, now again in our minds, our modern mind goes, no, no, no. We have a sense, as as Jesus rightly said, now we're we're in a different paradigm now yeah. of peace and turning the other cheek, yeah. absorbing, you know, uh, the 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 wrongs of the world to be able to forgive, you know, to be a light. All these different things are different, but we can see and we can still, in one sense, get in a mindset of. These people were worshiping God and doing the right thing and having a right relationship with Him, yeah. while they were going in at war. Wiping that's right, out because the that's what God commanded. And and the the change of plan begins not in the New Testament but in the Old Testament, because when uh, when they're back in captivity in Babylon, um, you know Babylon is destroyed, but uh, it's. It is. It's a different issue than it was with Pharaoh, because you have Cyrus. God works through Cyrus. Even in Isaiah, refers to Cyrus, the Persian Empire that conquers Babylon, as my servant. They're still slaves under under Cyrus. Cyrus sends them out. You know, rebuild your temple. Yeah. So it's not an uprising. This is not a. You know, they're not. It's not war. Yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. bringing down yeah. the Persians under. Who, and and when they go back, they're still they're still servants to the to the Persian Empire and. Uh, and so, th- there's no, there's no sense of rise up against the you know the Persians and and, and rebel. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they're doing their best actually to uh, to not do that. And so, so the change of plan already you see that change of plan kick in mm. during the Old Testament, highlighting the fact that uh, that the you know the the invasion occupation of the land 
is uh, you know is a one-off thing. Now you do get a you do get a um, uh, an uprising under the Maccabees and and but that it's that in itself is interesting. There's there's you know that's we're, we're outside the Bible there yeah. in a sense. The Antiochus the fourth, uh, the Greek Empire emperor who uh, annexed you know um, Judea. The, he was incredibly cruel, quite unreasonable, outlawed yeah. Judaism, you know, was coming in and slaughtering the people for their refusal to yes. uh, to worship his gods. And so what you get there is is really a reactive war that amazingly they win. and, and But then they set up a, an independent kingdom that just crumbles after generations. It yeah. just ends up being just as corrupt as any other kingdom. So... Already within the Old Testament period, the plan uh, the plan changes. I think it's important to recognize that. But you're right. The, the thing to recognize, and this is another important thing, is that people think that you can dip in anywhere in the Bible and pull out something and just apply it without any, you know, to, to today. And that's actually not how the Bible works. The Bible is primarily a story. Yeah. It's an unfolding revelation. Now, of course, there are principles that apply throughout, you know, the Ten Commandments. Yes. And the, um, but... But a lot of what you you see is designed for that time mm. and for what God is doing then, mm. and it's moving towards something. So, uh, could that be described as a as as a evolving dispensation of God? <laughs> well, in a way, you could you, if 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 you must use that language. Yes, uh, you could describe it like that. You know, yeah, it's it's God is w- working in a particular way in this time, um, and. You get a you get a gradual move away from that, really, and yes. uh, I, you know, um, and so I think sometimes we think we want to look at what Moses does and the law of Moses and say, here's the ultimate expression of you know of, of the will of God, mm. and yes, it is an expression of God's will, but for that time, for you know, because look, and God is a God who judges. He, he God is not a God who tolerates. Mm. Uh, evil forever, and and mm. and he does judge, and and because he's just, mm. and God's justice is an expression of God's love and goodness. Okay, mm. so it's not this is, you know, that's con- it's this is consistent with the character of God, but the ultimate. This is what we need to keep coming back to: the ultimate expression. If we want to point to something that is the ultimate expression of the character and the will of God, you point to the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything, everything else is a process, an unfolding story, yeah. including necessary evils. And every, everything culminates in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, as we've pointed out, Jesus Christ also is, uh, you know, there will come a time when Christ comes and brings judgment, and that's what, yeah. uh, that's what we should expect. Is, is, is it important to point out, in, in, in talking about this over the years with different people around this, this topic, I've sometimes pointed out that, like though God, again, this is this is symbolic. This is practical. This is a dispensation of God in this time for them to be doing yeah, yeah. doing this, going in and yeah. conquering the people, wiping out entire areas, and yeah. setting up you know uh, the tribes there in yeah. the, in the promised land. But ultimately, and this is one of the things I think that points us towards Jesus so much. Ultimately, even when they succeed under David. They finally succeed under David. Yeah. Solomon gets set up. Well, within one generation, yeah. they've fallen away again. And even though, you know, they, they, it's almost like God is saying, I've sort of seen it as like, I will give you this promised land. I'll give you this Eden again, just so you can fall out of it again. So you understand your, your need for yeah, something Yeah, there's more. a sense of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because within a generation yeah. after Solomon, the kings are coming and going. The tribes are, you know, divided. You know, and ultimately, you have prophets like Jeremiah saying, "No, out the judgment is now on us." Yeah, that's right. The judgment is now yeah. on us. We we came into the land, we occupied the land. God said, "Here is the promise, the covenant. If you do this, yeah. Yeah, He will look right. after us." We've disobeyed the covenant, so now we have to now just ride on what God is telling us. To, you know, He's going to judge us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and, it's, and then they are driven out of the land. So, yeah. So yeah. in a sense, God is not treating them. Uh, there's no favoritism necessarily yes. because yes. once they fall away from, they fall into that idolatry, they are then driven out of the land yeah. and that's what we get. I think it's also important to point out that 
the invasion of the promised land isn't like an expansion of of the movement or of the kingdom of God in any sense. You know, uh, uh, skeptics will often say, ah, yeah, it all spread by the sword, you know, and uh, no, no, this is not, um, this is not a spread like let's, uh, let's make everyone worship, you know, yeah, and and again, referring to like for example, early spread of Islam, very much at the point of the sword. Uh, you know, areas were annexed, and you either worship uh, this you way, convert or yeah, die. you can convert or die. Um, that that's largely how how that movement spreads. This is not what that this is. This is this is clearing this space for these people to live in, but they're not. They're not converting these people at the point of the sword, or yeah. or this is, uh, this is just a place for them to live, and the question is, are you going to be any different? Mm. And we see eventually that they're not any yeah. different, yeah. and they get, and then of course they are then uh, driven out. Yeah, yeah, are quite cruelly driven out because the Assyrians, first of all, who came through and drove out, oh. uh, destroyed the northern tribes, Viciously. and then the Babylonians who came in. Uh, it was it was. Uh, you know, in in many ways more vicious because um, uh, they starved them out. Yeah, they starved them out. Yeah. It, it, you know, they're, they're using um, real terror tactics uh, because these nations would come in and they would, you know, take people and impale them on poles all along the road, and they yeah. would they would do just do terrible, terrible Horrible, things cruel, to cruel. put fear into. So, in a sense, um, they, you know, they would s- suffer in, in quite. In some sense, in worse ways, really, because in, in, it turned out that they weren't any better. So, um, I guess there's a natural struggle here with this idea of judgment. People are, you know, we don't, we like to think, well, God just should accept everyone and no matter what we do. And actually, God is willing to do that. Mm. Uh, but God is holy and, uh, and, you know, and, God cares about how we live and what we do, and uh, and so God is also therefore as a good God mm. uh, and a holy God. God also expects holiness and goodness, and so where uh, where that is absent, mm. um, there is as a natural consequence the pr- principle of justice kicks in, and there is judgment. Mm. So you know God is a God who who judges he is a god who will judge and you could look at this what we're looking at today in Deuteronomy you could look at uh, even revelation chapter 19 and say how could it be right that god would do such a thing we need that the only way to answer that is to say it's right because god does it because who defines mm. what is right and wrong? Who defines uh, what can be expected of us as, mm. as human beings? Mm. Who defines what what justice is? Um, again, this isn't because ultimately God says vengeance is mine. Vengeance is something. Judgment only belongs to God. Mm. You know, Jesus is very emphatic about that. Even in fact, in uh, in the Old Testament as well. Uh, you know, they're, they're forbidden to have. Take personal vengeance. Mm. Uh, don't be the judge. God alone is the judge. Um, so, uh, you know, so this is not th- this act of people doing this judgment thing mm. is a real exception uh, to the rule. And it's not. It's not about uh, judgment in we hate these people. Let's kill them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually something far more formal mm. and uh, far more. Uh, you know, symbolic and, and important in that in that in that case. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. I it's mean, still it's still heavy it's because still, it's yes. a heavy. You know, it's a heavy issue, and and the the memory of that in in these people um, is is something that becomes a warning to them. Uh, you who have been the instruments of judgment mm. and have been close to that act, now be warned by that. Mm. Mm. Uh, lest you also come under this judgment. Of course, we know the story and that they did. We get um, so after after the. Uh, I want to. I want to move away from the, uh, the. I'm getting depressed now thinking about all this. <laughs> all this harsh and judgment. So at the end, at the end of Deuteronomy, um, you know Moses. You know, 
is is you know he has his sermons. He's it's encouraging. He's re, you know, telling the law again. He's getting clarified around certain elements of the law, instructing this next generation of what they're going to do. Really charging them. He gets a bit depressive at the end and's like, you know, look, I think you're going to fall away in the in the future. He's all he becomes, you know, very prophetic, looking ahead of what's happening. And then he has this song for a couple of chapters. And who knew who knew that Moses, yeah. you know, was this, uh, you know, this songwriter of it? Yeah. But it's an interesting prophetic song at the end of Deuteronomy yeah. that you know looks into the land that's coming, looks into where they're going. Calling God our rock, you know, mm-hmm. over and over again, sort yeah. of, you know, despising the people yeah. that they're going into and why they have to do what they do. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting song. Any commentary on this yeah. ancient song of Moses let, here? Let me just first say something about the, I guess, the, you know, because there's a lot of dark stuff here. Mm. All of that is set against the fact that God is saying to his people, I have saved you. You didn't have to do anything to earn it. It wasn't because of your righteousness. Mm. I've set my affection on you. I've given you my grace. And I just, I'm, I come into this land and let me bless you. That's essentially what he's saying, you know. Mm. And, and ultimately that blessing is going to go to all the earth. Okay. So there's, there's this remarkable ray of light here uh, of a God who is so gracious and so loving. Uh, but if that is rejected, then all that's left is judgment. This is a God that is saving his people from, uh, you know, ultimately is a God who saves from judgment. Yeah. Um, but we have to understand, you know, the principle of justice to understand the principle of grace. And, mm. and, and so um, the, song, uh, the song of Moses um, is, uh, is important because a lot of, what they these people will remember, they'll remember through the act of singing. Okay, uh, and uh, and so that becomes a a kind of uh, a way of remembering all of these things, and uh, you know the storytelling and the theological principles in that song mm. uh, are something that they are to rehearse and sing, and uh, and that's going to stay with them. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a bizarre. I encourage you if you have like the hymn at the end of the sermon, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, if you if you haven't read. Through this and taking time to read through the the song of, of of Moses at the end of his life, there, it's a bizarre doom and gloom. It's 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 such a contrast between things yeah. are going to fail, things are going to go really wrong. God's going to judge you, but then God's going to vindicate you. And yeah. God's, it's a really roller coaster of emotional yeah. um, thing at the end of his life. Uh, you know, th- there yeah. in the song, uh, Moses brings the people together. He then, you know, in chapter 33, it's like an echo of, um, you know, the end of uh, Jacob, Jacob's life at the mm. end of Genesis. Yeah. Moses then prophesies over all of the tribes, yeah. you know, gives gives each yeah. of the tribe of let Levi do this and let this tribe do that and let this tribe do that. Um, he, gives, he gives a prophecy. And then we have 34, which obviously... You know, it was written by Joshua and the team around Moses at the yeah. end, or kept, you know, kept in there because it's the, it records the death, the very mysterious death, death of Moses. Yeah, and there's even something, there's even something profoundly symbolic about him dying just on the border to the promised land. I mean, yeah. there's a sense, uh, of course, Moses, in one sense, goes into the real promised land. I mean, he goes, yeah. he he. he is ushered into a heavenly kingdom, um, you know, in, in retrospect. So in a sense, you know, death becomes that Jordan, you know, moment really. And, uh, and so, but of course Moses is not entering the land because even he did the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so he stands as a, as a kind of warning because he's a prophet and invariably prophets not only spoke God's word, they embodied it. Yeah. And so, God's saying to Moses, you can't enter the land because you struck the rock rather than speaking to the rock. Uh, it's, it's actually Moses, it's not just because it's like, man, God's being mean to Moses. He got, after all that he's done, yeah. <laughs> you know, There's can't he just forgive that? that? Yeah. Well, no, this is actually part of Moses' role. Moses is, is actually got to embody God's message and God's message to his people hmm. is um, in order to enter the, the promised land, you, you need to actually do what I say. Um, you need to listen and heed the word of God. Um, and so, and so even to his very last, Moses kind of embodies a, a warning 
to to God's people. Now, I want to I wanted to finish this last little bit here, and it's lovely to read that last chapter there. But I can't read that last chapter about the death of Moses. Nobody knowing where he he he, yeah. he is. He sort of disappeared. Yeah. You know, uh, Joshua, you know, is is filled with the spirit of God, spirit of wisdom. Yeah. The, the the all the Israelites mourn and weep for Moses for days and days and days. And I read that, and I straight away I go, um, you know, in the old in the in the parlance of uh, you know our modern web culture, it's like there's a little hyperlink. You know, if I <laughs> yeah. click on that verse, it immediately takes me to Jude, the book of Jude. Yeah, and in in Jude, you know, eight, nine, and ten, we have. You know, this is again right before the book of Revelation. Yeah. Yet in the same manner, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile angelic majesties. This is talking about false prophets, false teachers. Yeah. Uh, but Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a rail- railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now. <laughs> Hang on, where's that in Deuteronomy? I didn't see that in Deuteronomy. Where this is just just for a little footnote there, because some of us, you know, when we when we do read through Jude, we're going to read this and go, hang on, Michael disputed Satan about the body of Moses. What is this about? Yeah, I thought I'd throw that to you at the end of the episode, there, Matt. (laughs) And the answer is, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Look, probably, you know, there's probably a. Uh, a tradition. It, this is picking up on on what is probably a, a well known tradition uh, about mm. uh, you know coming out of rabbinic stories or you know yes. that, that may go back a while about the body of Moses because the body of Moses no one knew yep. uh, where he was buried. Um, so there's some kind of story behind that. Yeah. So whether or not that story, and again, this is an important point because I've heard. I believe it or not, I've heard sermons, you know, based, right. dodgy okay. sermons based yeah. around this one verse. So, but my point, my, the point, uh, the little point here is whether or not this actually happened, as yeah. in Michael the archangel came yeah. down and they fought over Satan's body somehow. Yeah. The point that Jude is making here, yeah. even if it is an apocryphal story, even if it's yeah, yeah. mythology, yeah. the point he's making is not that it actually happened. Yeah. It's the fact that the holy angel, you know, holy angel did not try to do any spiritual weirdness with this demon, with this, yeah. with Satan. All he had to do was say, the Lord rebuke you. Yeah, that's he right. did in the power of God. Yeah. So I just want to say, don't get sidetracked yeah. Yeah. around, you know, this body yeah. of Moses yeah. and stuff like that. We can sometimes get sidetracked into, yeah. into that type of thing. Yeah. And he has this, he, he's, he stands on Mount Nebo and he has this view, you know, across the Jordan Valley and the top of the Dead Sea there and, and into the promised land, and I've, I've stood in that place and, wow. and looked at that view, and and I've you know I think of Moses there, looking across. But we know that Moses goes to a better place, mm. and uh, and the whole story anticipates something more. You know, we could say, ah, oh, Moses doesn't enter the promised land, but yeah, the promised land uh, was really a symbol of something greater, and Moses inherits what is greater, but that magnifies the warnings, that magnifies the seriousness, the uh, the importance of no compromise, mm. uh, that we need to be willing to, you know, Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And mm. I mean, he's not being literal, but he's saying that kind of drastic measures, that's almost har- har- harsh, harking back to the drastic measures that were needed in you know, when the people came into Canaan, like let nothing pull you away, let nothing undermine you. Uh, you, You've got to, this is so important because we are on the cusp. We're on the cusp of a promised land Mm. and, you know, we get one life and our decisions are so, so important. And as it says in Psalm 95, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts Uh, And it refers to that generation uh, who did not enter their rest, you know. And so uh, there's a, you know, the warning there as we anticipate a greater promised land uh, up ahead. uh, I think we should make sure we take it every bit as seriously uh, because the issues are great. But that's only because the future is absolutely glorious.
I've got the same feeling in the in in my stomach as I, as I have after I come off you know one of those crazy spinning theme park rides. You go to one of those roller coaster theme park rides or something like that. You go on a ride and you come off with this queasy feeling. That's what I feel as I, as I get out of the book of Deuteronomy. It is such a roller coaster of emotions. As we say goodbye to Moses and we think about uh, everything that he sings about there at the end, I, I pray that you've gotten as much out of this uh, out of this section that we've gone through in the Old Testament as, as we've gotten out of it, because it is such a pattern and such a foreshadowing and such an example of our Christian life today. Now, next fortnight, we leave the Old Testament behind and we go all the way to the book of Acts. We're looking at the Acts of the Apostles, the early church there. Make sure you head over to the website, look at our show notes and go support our sister podcast, Thrive Perspectives, and especially the interview with Bernie Power we've just done over there on Islam, the Muslim people. I know you're going to enjoy that one as well. All right, we'll see you next time here on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.